1: hello welcome
2: back into 755 is real producer cam here we'll get to david and eric in just one second as well as your questions from today's live room on the athletic app some great questions great interaction we did have a few technical blips today so if you hear a few cutaways and just there might just be a weird transition on topics don't worry you guys will still get the picture just want to keep you guys abreast of that but as always for those of you who came to the live room for the first time today, thank you so much. For those who always tune in, thank you as well. For those who want to join us in the future, make sure you follow David and Eric on Twitter at D O'Brien, ATL and at EO Web 34 for updates when we're going to go live. And also make sure you subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We usually try to give you guys a heads up when we are going to host a live room in the week. And also, make sure to check out our YouTube page. We have loads of content over there, previous shows, great video content for you guys to tune into. That link is in the description. So without further ado, here's David and Eric. And as always, thank you guys for tuning
3: in. Evan D., what's up?
4: Hey, guys. Um, thanks for doing the uh, the space again. I guess my only question is, uh, how much longer of a leash do you think Ozuna has in the cleanup spot before they either, you know, slide him and Darno and ozzy around because uh i know we got a couple walks last night but it's after that first week and a half of the season his uh he hasn't really had any extra base hits or anything like that so that's really my only question
3: yeah he hasn't been swinging it too well um you know it's one of those things where i think they want to leave him there show confidence in him and get him going but You know, at this point, I'd agree with you. It might be worth shaking up just to take some pressure off of him. Um, I mean, it's not—that's not an easy role to hold down in the cleanup spot. Um, I mean, it remains to be seen, but you know, you just got to think about how huge it'd be if he started swinging the bat well again, and and the lineup could really use him. So, I think that's why Snitz kind of stuck with him there. But yeah, we'll see. I don't—I don't really have an answer to that one. All right, thanks, Eric. Yep. Robert C.
5: Hey, Eric, how you doing today? Good. How are you? Hey, well, you know, what? I mean, it wouldn't be a live thread if uh, DOB didn't have some technical issues.
3: <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs>
5: uh, I love it. That first one was my favorite uh, of all time. Um, uh, I sent a, a tweet to, to Dave earlier today because some I feel real strongly about is some I learned uh, with Bobby uh, and that the big four um, used to talk about all the time is is the value of patience and uh, sticking with guys, sticking with lineups, sticking with staffs, even when they're struggling, struggling, especially when they're struggling sometimes, Right. and how that can pay off. And, you know, it, uh, I, I referenced the kind of immediate return psychosis of our society these days, and how even with seeing it, You know, two years ago, Freddie struggling early on uh, after COVID and then ultimately coming through with an MVP. How uh, last year, you know, uh, we were, you know, watching all watching the Closer struggle and struggle and struggle. and All of us got there. And uh, and even then, he really uh, stuck with the guy and it paid such great dividends. Uh, and the last question even with Ozuna, is a guy who is, has been out for a year due to his own fault, of course, um, but has got to work his way back in. He's not going to move him anytime soon, I don't think.
3: Well, you know, I mean, it kind of goes for me, if he'd had a really bad spring training, it'd be one thing, but they've seen him swinging the bat really well this year. Um, and and you made a great point with Will Smith. Look at look at how much that paid dividends in the in the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, having having that guy struggle through the season, everybody's getting impatient with him. But what you know as a manager, and and, and you know, watching is that how bad you need that guy, that guy. in that role at, at some point in the season. So that's you know, it. I mean, it's it's like you know, in the bullpen the worst place to be in the pen is pitching and wondering if, if you have a bad game today, if you're going to lose your role or lose your job or go to the back of that conga line and, and be pitching the fourth inning tomorrow. Um, any manager that shows that patience with guys, um, it always seems to pay off. At some point you got to cut the cord. You know, if, if it's, if a guy's not turning around or a relievers giving it up every time they come in the game. Um, but, it's kind of an art, you know, sticking with guys and showing that confidence mm-hmm. in them without it getting to a point where it really winds up hurting the team. So it, it's not an easy job, but I think that's what is trying to do with Ozuna right now is, is show him that he's his guy, he's who he wants there, and and the team needs him. So give him as many opportunities as he can.
5: Well, and and it's more than that, is that he's got to know, he's got to figure it out himself. And the only way to do that is to give it the time it needs to develop. And I think that's the great value of Snicker that I absolutely love, is that when everybody else is freaking out, all of us, including myself, that he is like an elephant and everybody else is, you know, kind of, you know, scurrying around this, this, this solid, uh, kind of wizened, uh, manager who just doesn't feel the need to listen to all that noise.
3: Yeah. And you see managers that manage to answer questions and those guys, you know, their players don't have confidence in them. Um, you know, we, w- we would call it the panic button in the bullpen. You'd have a starter that had been kind of shaky. And he'd just be warming up the whole team in the third inning. And it, that, what that does is that sets panic and, and tension and pressure throughout the whole team. And most of those teams, you know, you, you never really see them stabilize. It's kind of, and I think honestly, that's why it's hard to manage in New York because, you know, it's yeah. answering questions from some fans and, and some members of the media. But in New York, it's amplified so much that a lot of managers cave and you see the season turn into a shit show and, and the lineup's crazy every day. And, well, uh, that, that's just how like it goes. That.
5: Atlanta could be like that as well, and that's uh, and that's why I love having a guy like Snicker
1: right. in there. Right. Listen, you gotta you gotta understand that Snitker doesn't give a shit what is being said right. on social media. <laughs> exactly. Okay? I think people we get a little inflated sense of our our uh, importance, and 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 I'm saying we. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he hears me more than he hears you guys, but he doesn't even give a shit what I say. So he sure doesn't give a shit what people are saying on Twitter. Right. It it. it does not matter. It does not matter to him. His boss is Alex Anthopoulos. They talk every day. Alex Anthopoulos' boss is Terry McGurk. He's the one with the pulls the purse strings. It has the money. What we say out here and what is being said on social media just doesn't matter because Snit won a World Series last year when people were saying all year long that he was screwing up and couldn't manage. They won the World (laughs) Series and they've got the fourth best attendance in the major leagues after being second last year when everybody said it was because they opened their ballpark earlier. Well, they're fourth this year and everybody will say because they won the World Series. Well, it all goes hand in hand. They got better attendance than the New York Yankees do and the New York Mets do. So right. they're doing something right and they're making money hand over fist. So well, you, you, you got going to get caught up in what people are saying on Twitter. You got to
5: love, Dave, that, you know, you know, when A.A. goes to Snit, he goes, hey, you know, don't you think we should? And Snit just goes, mm, no, that A.A. is like, OK,
1: well, the A.A. doesn't do that, though, but doesn't go to Snit and say you should do this or do that. That's the difference between him and the previous regime. He doesn't do that. He trusts Snit and the guys, that, the coaches that Snit has surrounded himself. Love now, if, they go to, if, they're at a, if they're at that midway point of the season and they're 10 games back, okay, then you start looking at maybe can you do some things differently and you've got to advice or suggestions and say we got to get this turned around. But so caught up, and I know I've said this and I, people get take it as an insult. It's not an insult. It's just fact. There is a football mentality in markets where football is king. And a football mentality doesn't work in baseball. It just doesn't. Where people judge a team from day to day or even series to series, it's a six-month, 162-game season. It's not 16 games or 13 games in college. It's just not. So you don't fire a coach based on a series or on a homestand. And and people just got to get – they got to – at some point try to get out of that and look at last year i know they can't count on and the players themselves know this the mets are a better team and you can't count on coming back like you did last year you can't count on that and they're not trying to count on that they're trying to win yeah you know it just hasn't come together yet this happens but but to act like snit is out there purposefully playing the wrong guys are like he (laughs) loves marcelo zuna and that's why he's playing him or something they're playing him because they owe him 50 million dollars and he's got to get it turned around they need his bat they're not going to do robinson cano when this is a guy's 30 years old and he's owed even more money than robinson cano was and the braves don't have nearly the revenues that the mets do they're not going to do a robinson cano with marcelo zuna one month into the season it ain't happening
3: Correct. All right, Philip E. Hey. What's up, Philip?
4: Hey, what's going on? Appreciate you taking my question. Um, my question, and it's it's more of a, I guess, continuation of what's been asked uh, earlier and in previous, you know, threads about, you know, some of the recent struggles with that we've seen with Azuna, and then I would also throw Adam Duvall in that mix. Do you think? And I guess. I'm thinking about this because now the Braves just won the World Series last year. Could there be an opportunity at some point this year that we might see maybe Michael Harris come up for a game or two? If anything, I wouldn't say not to take over any positions in the outfield, but to you know give some of those guys that are struggling uh, you know a day or two of rest here and there, but also test out. And no. See how he can perform? Do you think it's just way no. too early for that?
1: No, because Michael Harris, A, he's not on the 40 man roster. They're not going to make a 40 man roster move, put kick somebody off the 40 man, add him to the 40 man to come up for a day or two. Right. And they want him playing every day. Now. Nobody does that to a pros to a top prospect in, in the middle of a season to give some guys a break and get and see what he's got. When you bring him up you are convinced that he's ready to help this team and that he's coming up for good. Now you might be wrong and he might have to go back down, but you don't bring him up with that in mind. You bring him up intending to give him a starting spot and have him handle that for the next decade. And that's a yeah, re- real him up.
4: And realistically, you think that's probably a 2023 or 2024 transaction?
1: Not, no, it's not 2024. It's 2023. And if somebody gets hurt this year or continues to struggle mightily, and it's late. It's, you know, we're in the second half and Michael Harris is just raking after they promote him because he's still in double A and they got to promote him to triple A, you know, eventually. Yeah. I think that'll come by midseason. But right now he's raking against double A pitching. Sure, there's some good pitchers in double A, but he's not doing it at the highest level yet. And it's still only a month into the season when they bring him up. It'll be to give him a job permanently. They're going to put him on the 40 man roster. They're going to give him a starting job. They're not going to bring him up to be a bench player. So people should, should, should forget that. That's not good for his development at all. They'd never put it, bring a top prospect up like they didn't bring Acuna up to have him play once or twice a week and give these guys a break because that's not that would stunt the guy's growth more than anything. Not playing every day. I but, but he's great, and I love Michael Harrison. I think he's going to be a, a real star. I really do, and play alongside Acuna for a decade. You know, provided they keep Acuna that long, which I'm sure they will. But Michael Harris, to me, has no flaws. And I think he's going to be a, a great player. And I expect to see him no later than competing for a starting job next spring training. Be awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Appreciate your yep. insight. Thanks. Thank you, Eric. Let's hear from today's sponsors.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Reggie W. Hey, how you guys doing? All Pretty right, man. Hey, how, right. how you doing? Good, good. So the
4: last uh, speaker kind of stole my thunder with the Michael Harris thing, and I know everybody's clamoring for him to come up. Uh, my question to you, David, is are there any like uh, lower-level prospects that the Braves are kind of high on that we kind of don't really talk about? And um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's it. I, I, I saw the international pros- prospect guide I believe his name is Diego Benitez. If you've heard anything about him or maybe like a player comp, Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my question.
1: The guy that I would keep a, that I would keep an eye on is Vaughn Grissom. And you probably heard of him, the shortstop prospect. He is a stud, man. This guy is a big shortstop. He's listed at 6'3, maybe 6'4, about 210. But he's really athletic. He's not too big for shortstop at all. Um, they they could move him to third, but they don't they don't think they need to. And obviously, you're not going to do that with Austin Riley. Should be entrenched at third for a long time. I expect them to sign him to a long term extension. So third base is occupied, and you got a perfect guy over there anyway. Vaughn Grissom. Um, I think this guy. I I don't know about Dansby long term here because I think if they were really set on him being the long term guy, they would have signed him to a to an extension by now. And he's in the last year of a contract. So if you're Dansby, they gotta really make it worth your while, or you're gonna test free agency. I mean, why wouldn't you now that they've now you're in your last year free agency? So um Von Grissom, he's only in high A right now. He's 21. So he could come you know sooner than later. This guy's hitting in his first year in high A last year. Uh, he he played 12 games in high A at the end of last year. So this is his first year that really he's hitting 276 with a 383 OBP. That's what really jumps off the page. Um, he's got he's only got two homers so far, but he had five last year and he's going to grow into power. And it's going to be a doubles machine, I think, in the, in the majors. But that's a high OBP guy for a guy that was you know drafted out of high school. Um, And really athletic and can play the position really well. Thanks, Reggie. Yeah, no problem. Cody G. Hear me? Yeah, what's up, Cody?
4: Cool. Hey, D-O-B-E-O. What's up? Thank you you guys for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for Uh, taking part. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I was curious, uh, last year's uh, World Series run seemed to put a real emphasis on clubhouse culture with – you know uh, the the addition of Jock Peterson and kind of the turnaround of things. And I was wondering, with all the volatility this off season, with the addition of Matt O, the sub- subtraction of Freddie, um, the Ozuna stuff, I was wondering if, if at all, if you could speak on the clubhouse culture this year and how things are going.
1: Well, just go from what I've observed. Being in the clubhouse again, we're in the clubhouse again this year, so you do get to observe a whole lot more than we did last year. Um, I honestly, uh, you know, of course you're going to miss Freddie and just, and I think what you miss with Freddie is that leadership by example, that playing every day, playing through nagging injuries and all that. But I think the guys that around him got enough of that absorbed enough of that by uh, osmosis. And I think you're seeing some of that same thing from the guys like Dansby and Ozzy uh, and Austin Riley playing every day now. And Matt Olson, the, the infields playing every day. So, um, Freddie was kind of a a stabilizing force I don't know that any One individual has done that Matt Olson's Not really a uh, Talk a lot type guy but neither was Freddie you know he he was more in the end of his Career but our end of his time here But he was more lead by example too So um, I I think the clubhouse culture is great Still is it is it is is You know I think it it was the last couple of Years I think it's been the best chemistry in, in Baseball I mean can't really be in other clubhouses to tell you that, but I can't imagine it being any better. And I don't sense any division at all this year uh, the, the, for the things you cited. Um, I, I know people would probably be—they uh, probably would almost like to hear that Azuna is problem in the clubhouse because maybe they would think they're going to get rid of him, but he's not. Um, and and that's not to condone anything he's done off the field or anything, because I certainly do not. And there is no excuse for what he did allegedly. Um, what he was arrested for but in the clubhouse and on this team that guy is is still an integral part of the team and he's around guys i watched him yesterday he and about five or six of the latin guys including Ozzy, were over there yucking it up for 30 minutes in the clubhouse having a time of their lives i mean they're he's 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 not he's he's a very uh he's very well liked in this clubhouse and they embraced him from the time he got back um Olsen. Everybody likes Olsen. He's you know, you don't even know he's there. He's kind of a guy over there just does his thing, talks to everybody. He's really pleasant. So they haven't really brought in any bad apples that I've seen of whatsoever. So I I think as long as Alex is a GM, that the clubhouse culture is going to be strong because he he vets guys and he makes sure that he doesn't bring anybody in to disrupt that. And then he listens to his leaders if they're telling him that somebody is causing a problem.
3: Eric? Yeah, I think it. I think it just you know sometimes you lose a guy like Freddie, and and Freddie's quiet. You know when when there's people around, but when it's just the team he's loud, he's cracking jokes, he's ripping on guys. Um, but really it just, it takes a little bit to kind of develop that when you lose one of the core members of that clubhouse. Um, I think the team would still need to kind of find their identity again, but I do think that a lot of stuff that Freddie did and the way we play baseball and all that type of stuff that he, that he kind of preached, you know, I'm sure that passed on to guys like Dansby, Ozzy, Austin Riley. So, as a whole, I don't think the clubhouse is really struggling. I mean, you can have a great clubhouse and still go through a spurt like this. Uh The clubhouse is what helps you get out of it. Uh, yeah. The vibe is what helps you get out of it. Laughing is what helps you get out of it. Guys that keep it loose, you know, the running jokes all year. And sometimes when you get a – Hello? D.O.B., can you hear me?
6: I can hear you. Okay. You got uh, it It thinks that Eric got lost because this was going to be a question to him. Um but I, I saw some comments about the, the ninth inning. Was,
1: our technology sucks. Sorry, man.
6: <laughs> the, the ninth inning was last night was six four. Um, I saw some comments about why not, uh, Jansen or Will Smith in that situation. So I know that's kind of second guessing and and that kind of thing. Um, if Eric comes back on, I was going to ask him about what's the sweet spot for a reliever as far as, um, you know, is it, Was it tough? Well, you certainly don't use your your
1: closer closer down two runs at home in the ninth inning. I don't know of any team that does that. Yeah. I mean, you didn't even even used to use your closer closer, unless you were leaving at home. Now, that's changed in the last few years, and people will use them when tied at home, including the Braves. They do it all the time. But I have not seen a team use their closer down two runs in the ninth inning. Any team. Now, you could have brought Will Smith in. I think didn't he just pitch the night before? I have to get my book out.
6: Yeah, well, they had the uh, off day. Uh, I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. They, in the last game of the uh, previous series, Will Smith pitched in that one and gave up yep. a run, didn't he? Yeah, I'd have to give my. Let me see. Um, that that could be your option. You could have brought in Will, but uh, you know, Snip was asked the question afterwards: Why Thornburg? And his response was: We're down two, and he's on the team. So make of that what you will, but that was his response and that's why he's viewed it. Uh in Thornburg's defense, the guy's pitched pretty well, hasn't he? Right. I mean, like Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith, he's had two three A D R A this year. He's pitching well. And you could have brought him in there for sure. But I think Snitt looked at it as Thornburg's fine for this situation. But you know, it's always frustrating when you bring in a guy who's not one of your Elite back of the guy, back of the rotation, guy, back of the bullpen guys. When a game is still winnable in the view of, of everyone, right? I understand that, especially when it blows up. Nobody says anything. I'll, of course, if Thornberg pitches a, a scoreless inning there, but um, but I, I did not even think for a second why bringing Kinner Jansen. Right. Down two runs, and I don't use my closer in that situation. But, yeah, you could have brought Will Smith in. I think it comes down to matchups and looking at who's there. But if he was a better matchup, I would have brought in Will Smith rather than Thornburg. I mean, there's a reason Tyler Thornburg has bounced around and that kind of thing. He's a, you know, kind of been a journeyman. But he has pitched well so far this year. But uh, that just did not go well. That went off the rails in a hurry.
6: Eric, can you hear me?
1: Yeah I'm, back. yeah, I'm
3: back.
6: Okay, I was going to ask you, we were talking about um, uh, the situation in the ninth inning uh, last night, not bringing in, uh, let's say, Will Smith. And then what I was going to ask you is, you know, he hasn't pitched much lately. Like uh, DOB said, he pitched the, the two nights before. Uh, but other than that, he's been sparingly. Is there, for you, was there a sweet spot as far as how much you wanted to be used and if you sat – a lot, you know, over a over course of several days, did that affect you at all?
3: Yeah. I like to, yeah. it's the 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 more, the better, but you know, I mean, before last night Thornburg didn't have bad numbers either. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you know, you need your whole pen to be throwing well. And there's, I know he gave up three last night, but the guy hasn't been throwing the ball poorly, you know, you know, so I, for me, that's a guy I would have used too. you can't use your horses every day.
1: Yeah. Just going back to that, this is as I thought. I went and looked it up. Now, let me ask you why would it – if Thornburg had pitched last night the way he's been pitching, why would anybody question it? Nobody would. The guy had made seven appearances this year. He had a 1.23 ERA, better than Will Smith by about a run. He has allowed uh, nine hits, one earned run, one walk, and eight strikeouts in seven and a third innings before last night. Before last night. So obviously, everybody's second guess is when he gives up, you know, he looked like crap last night. He gave up three runs. But why would why would that have been a questionable move before last night? Do you you don't think that what he'd been doing was legit against Milwaukee? uh, His last appearance on the sixth, he pitched two and a third innings, gave up two hits, had two strikeouts, gave up nothing else. No walks, no runs. Yeah. against Milwaukee. Yeah, the I mean, money, it's, money. It's,
3: it's easy to question every move, but I mean, for me, that one wasn't. You're down two, you can't use your horses every time, and he's still like working his way into a bigger role. Now maybe he takes a step back, giving up right. three, but he's still been throwing the ball well, and you got to use everybody in the pen. Okay.
6: Yeah, that's the the Monday morning quarterbacking. That's one thing, but I, uh, people were saying, well, since Jansen and Smith haven't thrown a lot, so I was I was just wondering about that with Eric about you well, know, if you throw you
3: like, guys today, right? Say right you throw you today down two, and then tomorrow you need you up one, and they both pitch well. Now it's questionable if you use you the next day. So as a manager, you are you just thinking about today. you have you think about what are the odds we win this game, get back in it, and is it worth burning one of their days on a game we might lose? Down one, tied, or up one, or one or than three for me, I use my best guys. But you need guys to step up in the pen and be able to handle down two, down three, and keep it close, and that's that's the role for me. He'd worked himself into at least, so I didn't I didn't have any problem with the move. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Jacob T. Could be an Eric. How you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks for taking our
4: crazy questions. Um, watching the game last night, Kyle Wright's been our best pitcher, I think, this year. Um, he got touched up in the third. By Devers Grand Slam there, what did you guys see after the third inning that kind of showed you Kyle Wright's maturation? And Eric, what's your mindset after you get up a Grand Slam like that, having to stay in the game? What are you working on? What are you focusing on? And uh, how big was him continuing last night after he gave up that Grand Slam?
3: Well, it's huge. And those, those are the outings that would have undone him last year. And I'm not saying that, you know, that sixth spot doesn't ruin the start. But after you give that up, now you shift your mindset to, all right, I got to eat as many innings as possible. That same thing I was just talking about, saving your pen, saving, saving arms for the next game. Um, and, you know, they got back into it. I didn't even think Kyle really threw the ball too bad that inning. It was a couple of, you know, three singles. You can give up singles all day long. You know, maybe you give up a one or two spot, but then he mixed in a couple walks and then that one bad pitch you know cost you a grand slam and now the game's blown open but i still thought he did a great job staying in that game not getting down on himself and getting through that outing and those are the outings in the past that yeah you know he probably doesn't even get out of that inning they got to yank him and now your pen's set back for the next day too
1: what i what i was encouraged about too was wh- how immediately he went and talked to kranitz and to south Fasano, the c- the catching coach who has incredible insight into a lot of things um and he had real understanding of what he did wrong. He said he was tried to, He was too fine on those walks. Yep. You know, he had a four-pitch walk. He said that was just non-competitive. He was trying to be too fine. And then he got ahead of uh, Jackie Bradley, one one two, and walked him to, to bring in a run. And he said that's when he was way too fine with those guys instead of trusting his stuff. And then, on the other hand, he tried to be too aggressive with Devers and throws him right a, down nine, the middle. Yeah. Down the middle fastball for Seamer. He said, he sh- I should have been a little more passive as he should said with him. So he had a kind of reversed on the, on how he should approach those guys. But I thought it was kind of encouraging that he, that he recognized that so soon afterwards. And, uh, and uh, rather than just having no answers, like he would have in the past, he would have kind of been searching for answers in that situation. Right. It seemed like he fully understood what he did wrong. Yeah. Agreed. Aaron N. Aaron N. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for taking my question. Uh, two yeah. things: one, I live in Rome, so I've seen Von Grissom play, and he is a stud. Um, there you go. There you go. Uh, I also wanted to ask you. Um, I listened to the podcast the other day, and I love your insight uh, on um, on uh, Tyler's. Uh, matzik's arm and the dead arm situation, possibly. So I just wanted to ask, how uh, impressive was his performance last night? Was that a good step forward for
0: him?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, it's you're always building off momentum, right? And you're always as good as your last at bat or your last inning pitched. So for him to just come out, have a clean one, and, and that gives him a chance to put it behind him. You know, when you're worried about possibly. You know, continuing to walk, guys, continuing to have these struggles. Um, anytime you can just throw up a clean inning, you can completely put it behind you. And I feel like he did that last night.
1: What I, when, what, what was really encouraging for both him and the Braves was that his, his velocity actually ticked up as that yep. inning went on. So he wasn't being, you know, like Eric pointed out the other day when he was trying to aim it and he wasn't really letting it, letting it eat, as they say. Last night, he kind of went the reverse way. So it seemed like he was getting his confidence back as far as uh, not trying to aim it. And really. And that's when we saw the velo ticking up as that inning progressed. So I thought that was pretty big last night for him to get through the inning period, because he had he, he walked off in the middle of an inning his previous two. Appearances where he walked five guys, you know, in in, while recording three outs total. So last night to get through an inning was, I think, a big step forward for him and also to have the velo tick up. Yeah.
3: And that's the benefit of working in that, you know, that work inning, that inning with no pressure where he can just work through it and and try to throw some pitches, get back in the zone, see he can get outs and, and get back to being aggressive. And I think he did that last night.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a good that was a good game to get him in with that game out of hand at at that time. And
3: those innings are really important,
1: guys. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show.
3: Talon B.
4: What's going on, guys? What's up? So uh, I know we touched on a
5: prospect uh, a little earlier, Michael Harris. um, But another prospect that I am curious about um, is Drew Waters. Um, You know, he came up last year, or not came up, but he was talked about heavily last year as being the next big thing with Pache and just haven't seen anything from him. Um, I know he went down with, uh, I think, a hammy earlier this season, but came back and still had the same power. I'm wondering if uh, we'll get to see him
1: before the end of the season if the corner outfielders continue to not produce as well as we had hoped. Okay, well, he was the next big thing. It was more, you know, a couple of years ago because last year's stock really dipped because he had a pretty bad year at Gwinnett last year, if you looked at it. Um, 22 years old. He had been at Gwinnett for 26 games the previous year, or 2019 rather, because there was no previous in 2020. There was no minor league season. Spent the uh, He spent the year at the uh, alternate site. And I think he's one of those guys that actually got hurt by not having minor league games in 2020, where it helped a guy like Michael Harris facing major league pitching and triple-A pitching at the alternate site instead of being an A-ball like Harris would have been. I thought Drew Waters was hurt by because he would have been a double-A that year and maybe he moved up to triple-A by the end of the year if there had been a season in 2020. So he comes back last year 2021 at Gwinnett and the numbers were just pretty bad he had 240 329 obp 710 ops he had 11 homers but the real problem was he had 142 strikeouts with 42 walks in 459 plate appearances in triple a last year that's bad man that's a terrible whiff rate so they wanted him to they want to see him get the whiff rate down get the contact rate up he was having a pretty good spring this year, and impressing in very limited time before he pulled the hammy, and it was pretty bad because he did. He started the season on the IL this year at AAA, and and was on it for about two or three weeks. So he comes off. He had a he had a short rehab stint in Rome. Played three games down there. Uh, hit a home run down there. Hit three sixty four four seventeen OBP down there. So that was good. Three games. Then he came up, played first game with Gwinnett. He goes four for four with a homer. I think it was yeah with a homer. Then hurts the hamstring again, or has soreness the net before the next game, so they sat him as precautionary for a couple of games. Then he plays a game, goes over four. So he's played four games now at Gwinnett this year, and he's hitting. I mean, he had that four for four game, so he's gone what three for fifteen since then. But he's hitting three fifty eight, five strikeouts, no walks, got a home run, eight ninety five ops. Can't really ops doesn't really matter in four games, but. My point is, he's played very little this year because of the hamstring. He can't stay healthy. But when he does, he needs to play for a sustained period yeah. and show that the contact rate is up and that he's not going to strike out every, every two at-bats or every three at-bats. Because if you're striking out every three at-bats in AAA, I mean, that's not a, they're not going to have confidence that you can come up and trip to, to majors and hit regardless of how much talent you have. Because he's got a lot of talent, as we know. He's got all the tools in the world. But it's just got to stop striking out so much and draw a walk now and then, you know, and, and just uh, get on base more. But main thing is he needs to be healthy right now. And so far, not, I can't think about bringing him up while he's still, you know, playing. He's a day-to-day thing with the hamstring. He's only played four games in AAA this year. If he has a good run, if he plays well for a month or so. Sure, they know him well enough that they would bring him up Um They'd love to do that. They'd love to see him have a good run to, to to be able to bring the guy up, but he just hasn't been ready yet to to do that with.
3: Yeah, and you don't want to call a guy up and especially if he's nursing something and risk burning service time if he comes up and pulls it in the big leagues. You know, you're gonna to have to prove your health in the minors first. Thanks, guys. Yep, Ben R. What's up, Ben?
0: Oh, hey, man. <laughs> um, thanks for doing this. It. This has been it. really uh. Really cool uh, feature here with the technical difficulties and all. Um, y'all, y'all talked last week about uh, Spencer Strider's usage um, and just you know maybe they were running out of time to stretch him out. I wondered if if that might have some more to do with kind of saving his innings for September. Um, I, th- I think he only threw about ninety six last year, so I just didn't know what they were looking at or just as far as a limit for him this year for the next step up.
1: Well, they are using him the way they're using him uh, with an eye on the innings and also how he can help the team while keeping the innings under control. So, uh, But I asked Snit that specifically. He was asked about, you know, uh, do you not want to start And because of the fact that he only pitched, you know, under 100 innings last year? And Snit said, no, that's not necessarily true because they can control the innings just as well having him start as they can using him. In this bullpen role that they're using him in now, which is to bring him in and go three to four innings, yeah, at, a, at a time. They could just as easily have him do that as as a starter. You know, uh, that's the way they're using him. In effect, is as a starter, they're just bringing him in after the first inning. You know, so that's why I don't think I won't be surprised at all if he gets a start real soon and puts those three, four, maybe even five innings at the front, depending on how efficient he is. But he is stretched out enough right now to get to go three or four innings as a starter. Uh, or if he had really quick innings, even longer. But as many strikeouts as he gets, it's hard to keep the, the pitch count down really low. But he doesn't want many guys. So he's just been nothing but impressive, man. This guy is a big part of the future going uh, in some role, whether that's in, in the pen or as a starter. Because if he can develop that changeup, Eric, how good could this guy be as a starter if he can bring that change up along more?
3: Well, and that might be, you know, that might be one reason they're a little hesitant. He's really living off of two pitches and that's yeah. that whole, you know, that's when you get in trouble that third time through the order and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, later on, once guys have seen you and the league hasn't seen him yet. Um, But, but for me, I'm watching it. You, you throw Chavez the first and then bring Strider in. It's, it's kind of like they're grooming him to try to have that role. Who knows what he's working on between starts. Maybe he's working on that changeup. But it's tough when you're in the pen and you're coming in and you throw innings that matter to right. to risk mixing in a changeup. Right. That's kind of something you have to do in the minor leagues. But he's being effective. So you don't want to send him down to work on it and he's helping the team in the role he's in. So um I'd eventually think he's gonna get a shot at starting this year, if not, you know, really soon. Um but yeah, he's uh, for me. He's stressed out enough, like Dave said, to throw three or four right now. And I think if they get put in a position where they need a
1: guy, he'd be first in line for me. Yeah, I think he threw sixty-nine pitches the other night. Fifty yeah. strikes. I mean, this guy pumps gas, and he put—he—he's he, throwing strikes, man. He's a—he's special. That arm is special. This it's is a special. Guy, this is a guy that's probably not even six feet tall, but he is—he's wiry, strong. He's really built his body up during the TJ surgery rehab and as 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 kenley jansen noted to me because i would have never noticed this he's extremely flexible so on top of being really strong he's flexible and i think that's why he can probably generate ungodly amounts of velocity for somebody that size uh and who who had tj you know less than three years ago um he, he's special i think this guy uh whatever role they're gonna have to think about it and they're thinking about it a lot about his future role but but uh it's almost like he's, he's got too good of an arm and, and strength to, to just have as a reliever, but he can help the team so much right, right now. And as Snit said, these innings are really good for his development. I think pitching in these innings in big games with games on the line, because he's been pitching in some close games at the major league level, I think is much better for him for him where he is right now than blowing away hitters like he did last year in the minor leagues. Cause he really has nothing else to prove in the minor leagues, unless he goes there specifically to work on a third pitch. And again, as a starter. that'd be the only reason to have him in the minor leagues.
3: Yeah. You don't, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to learn. You're not going to learn a lot throwing, <laughs> just blowing away minor league hitters, like Dave said. And with his stuff, you know, it's, don't, that's that only reason is to go down there and mix in changeups and try to work on that because that whole third thing through the order is not going to matter in the minor leagues if you're just overpowering the hitters so I think they've got him in a good role right now and you know there's a ton of value in a guy coming in in the third or fourth when you're down two runs and mm-hmm. keeping it right there for three or four innings as well so it's not necessarily like his innings are getting wasted he's, he's a valuable piece the way they're using him too
1: and, and I like the idea the other the other night the idea was chavez was going was to pitch about five or six batters you're going to bring in you're going to bring in strider and have him he, this way he could pitch three innings and really right. only face the top of that milwaukee order once because he pitched to the bottom half of the order then the top half of the order in the next inning then the bottom half of the order and then if you got if you still got some pitches left that's gravy and you can face the top half of the order again but as opposed to if you start him in the game and he goes three innings. He faces the top four in that in that Milwaukee lineup twice and the bottom the bottom five once. So I do like that logic uh, where he is right now. You know, you're, you're kind of spoon feeding him, bringing him along a little more, a little more, giving him a bigger role. And so far, yep. he's stepped up to every challenge. Thanks, Ben. We got any more
3: questions? Madison M. <clears throat> hey, guys. Can you hear
4: me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Hey, you know, my question, I guess, is, you know, looking at the on base percentage rankings for, you know, the MLB, I think Braves are in the bottom third. Um, I know with the the dead balls and stuff, that's probably kind of changing a lot of teams approach as far as, uh, you know, the home run ball. Do you see that, you know, the Braves having to address that, you know, at the trade deadline or, or maybe down the line in free agency, or maybe it's just a change in approach they need?
1: Yeah, they've got too many. They got too many big strikeout guys on his team, and not enough. And Freddie, that you do miss Freddie there. Although Olson has got a ton of walks, so, but you miss Freddie's patience and work and hitters and all that. Um, um, but really, it's the guys like Dansby, Duvall. I mean, you got those two of two. Those are two of the top three or four strikeout guys in the National League right now. They're piling them up. So, but other guys are too. You know, Ozzy strikes out a lot. For a guy, you know, for a little dude that hits for, you know, hits for good average, he strikes out a lot, too. Um, you do need to get more guys on the basis. And it's not something you're really going to do in the middle of the season, I don't think, you're not gonna, unless you can trade for a high OBP guy at some point. But um, it's something that, yeah, in the offseason, I think you definitely have to consider that when you're looking at trades or free agent acquisitions. You need to bring in another guy who's a big OBP guy. Who works hitters uh, or who works pitchers and doesn't strike out a lot? I know strikeouts just an out, but it's not just an out when there's a runner at second or third and less than two outs, and especially at third with less than two outs and a ground out could get the guy in or a, or a sack fly could get the guy in. We've just seen this Braves team too many times leave those runners on base so far. You know they had a terrible stretch there before the big inning in New York where they just could not get a guy in, and that was shades of last year. And the big difference last year, when everything came together in, in, in the last two months, that was one of the things that came together. They started hitting with runners in scoring position, and it made a huge difference. I mean, they, they started doing everything well, but the guys they brought in were doing it. Now, Freddie was doing it. Everybody was doing it at that point. Duvall was, you know, among the league leaders in that. So, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Your strikeouts are more glaring when you're not getting those big – any guys get are not getting those big hits with runners in scoring position. Those strikeouts just become – like a noose you're just like oh god not again yeah and i think
3: you know mainly the approach has to change and this is affecting the whole league you know like Statcast is having to recalculate home run distances they had aaron judges at 454 yesterday because of how it left the bat but it really only went 410 Um, and i think the risk reward of striking out and hitting homers it has completely changed because you get a guy on first and second no outs And three guys fly out to the track now, or one guy strikes out and the next guy hits a ground ball. And then the, then a guy hits that, that big ball that gets you the three spot. And now it's getting caught at the track. So it's, it's kind of like, it's too fast to expect guys to be able to adjust their approach because they're getting the balls they want and they're hitting them and they're winding up at the track. And that's the difference between a three run Homer and just another zero. And it looks like, you know, you got this shitty approach, but really with the balls changing, um, guys are going to have to start leveling out their swings and hitting line drives and focus on moving runners and getting them in kind of more old school baseball and the fact that it just happened overnight without any kind of spring training or you know practice reps for these guys is i think it's hurting the Braves a ton but it's it's hurting every team around the league and eventually i think teams are going to adjust Um, But it's it's not a move you can make or a trade you can make for an OBP guy because the whole league's used to certain balls getting out and their offenses are built for it. So it's going to take some time for the for the offenses to adjust.
1: With runners in scoring position, the Braves are hitting 225, which is tied with the White Sox for 21st. In the majors, but they only have a they say they only have a 301 OBP, and a 693 OPS. This is where they led the majors last year. OPS runners in scoring position, and a big thing, a big problem there, as we mentioned, is this is the strikeouts. They've got 288 strikeouts in a thousand thousand and eleven at bats with runners in scoring position. That just kills you, you know, striking yep. out with, with runners. In, Oh, I'm sorry. Let's see. With runners in scoring position, they they are. That's their overall overall strikeouts. runners in scoring position, they have how many strikeouts? Fifty nine in two hundred and twenty seven at bats. Um, that is bottom ten in the league. The OVP and the OPS, like I said, with runners in scoring position last year, was where they just – they killed teams. I mean, and, and they're not so far. They're not doing that. And Duvall is a guy that's led the majors in that category, especially with two outs last couple of years. And he's really struggling to get going, period. So, you know, just a couple of these guys could get going and lengthen the lineup. It will be totally different. But so far, you haven't had more than one or two guys going at one time at all. And, again, we saw this early last year, and they got out of it. But a lot of that was making those trades they made in July. Those guys really helped them get out of it, especially after Ronald Acuna got hurt, because Acuna was the only guy hitting early last year until uh, Riley heated up mid-late April, and then Freddie got going in May. So, but that—that that was really about it before they started, you know, after the break, really started heating up. Yeah, it have yeah. to be a deadline thing because there's there's no acquisitions to be made right now. Yeah, yeah, they're oh. hitting. Uh, Runners in scoring position. Let me get this right for you. Braves are hitting right now. They are only 216, which is 24th in the big leagues. And the teams they are ahead of, surprisingly, the Blue Jays are also bad in that. So it tells you it's really early in the season. But the Blue Jays are the only team below them that's actually any good, that's actually off to a good start. The other teams below them, with runners and scoring position, White Sox, Royals, Red Sox, Orioles, Pirates. Mm. So, Tough
3: and, to win and, like that.
1: And the teams at the top, the Dodgers, Guardians, Angels, Brewers, you know?
3: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question. We got last Chuck question.
1: in. Hey, uh, yeah, guys, we're talking about the, guy, the, the, the trades that were made last year and the guys that got brought in and, and what a big turnaround we had in the second half. Um, and, and one of the words we always hear is chemistry and that's hard to define, but do you guys think that maybe as we, uh, continue on in the season that the chemistry is going to get better and maybe that's a problem yes, right yes. now that's just not gelling real well yet?
3: I don't know. I mean, oh, it's, no, it's, no, it's, no, hard it's hard it's to gauge hard hard chemistry. It's hard to, you know, teams have good chemistry and play bad for a couple of weeks. To, chemistry you know, is good, yeah, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't worry about the chemistry. And you know what? The, the one thing that helps chemistry the most is winning. So it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. But, I don't, you know, it's it's not like they brought in anybody really new. They got the same core. I'd assume the chemistry is still good. They're just struggling to get the big hits.
1: Maybe you're talking about chemistry on the field, like the team's clicking together. Is that what you're talking about? Because the chemistry in the clubhouse is fine.
3: Yeah. The Chuck's not, gone. but
1: that, Yeah. If you're talking about things clicking on the field, yeah, I think – that really hasn't been in sync yet. As, as the players have said, it's like they do one facet of the game or two maybe, but they don't put it all together yet. And that was the problem last year when they couldn't get over five hundred for so long is when they pitched well, they usually didn't hit well. When they hit well, they usually didn't pitch well. You know, that was they didn't really get it going together until after the All Star break last year. And so far they haven't put it together for any kind of a stretch at all. They haven't had a three game winning streak, man. They also haven't had a three game losing streak, but you know, kind of sputtering along, there's no way you're gonna catch the nets because the nets have shown no signs of really falling off. Maybe they will at some point, but I would not guarantee, I would not uh, bank on that. And the strikeouts, by the way, the Brace are third overall in strikeouts in a major two hundred and eighty-eight. They're tied with the Reds for third. But the Angels have even more. Of course, the Angels are hitting bombs and and you know, the Angels are getting it done with uh, with in a lot of other ways too, Pitching. I mean, they're hitting, getting some big hits. No hitter um, last night. Trout, Natani, and then last year they get a no hitter from a 22 year old Detmers. Jesus, man, his 11th start, he throws a no hitter. They got. Yeah. I mean, Perry Manazian right now is hands down the executive of the year in the major leagues right now. We thought he'd get it turned around, dude. I said that guy just needed to be a GM because he's the best, one of the best baseball minds I've, I've talked to, and he has gotten it turned around in two years, less than two years.
3: Yeah, that was a crazy game last night. You see Rendon hit a left-handed home run.
1: Left-handed home run, is first at-bat ever
3: left-handed. <laughs> I don't care How if you're do throwing do 54. I have no clue. Some guys are just special.
1: How do you do that? Jesus. That was, yeah, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. So just look, I'm just looking at these overall numbers and, uh, yeah, they OPS is, uh, OPS is killing the Braves this year. I mean, they're 11th in the big leagues, but last year this was a team that was way up high because they had a good combination of of OBP and slugging. So, uh, you know, it's really early. It'll come around. Somebody, but they got to get some of these guys going, man. Some of these guys that were carrying them last year, Dansby had the had a career year last year for most of the year, and he he kind of tailed off late, but he's got to get going now, man. And Duvall's got to get going. They've had a lot of situations that they have not taken advantage
3: of yeah and you know sometimes it's just it just takes one guy to step up and get that big hit and then somebody else steps up and, and it kind of builds that momentum and as you're struggling and nobody's getting the big knock and those big situations keep slipping away guys put more and more pressure on themselves I'm sure they're feeling some of that right now but again this isn't the team I'm I'm too worried about
2: all right guys that's today's show thank you once again for tuning in make sure to subscribe to 755 is real on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow David and Eric on Twitter at D O'Brien ATL and at EOF34. Also make sure to find our YouTube channel. You can find that link in the show description. We will see you guys later in the week with another episode with David and Eric.